0: hello and welcome to the hail maryland podcast i'm Ruin Shunker, joined by always by jacob steinberg jacob how are you man i'm good Rune. how are you it has been it has been some kind of a week so far it it, it has been crazy uh Things are going down with the election. I, yo, by the time uh, you guys listen to this, it might be over. We will see. But, uh, you know, Joe Biden's eagerly looking at the results from Pennsylvania. And uh, we're going to be looking at something from Pennsylvania, too, in uh, previewing Maryland's matchup with the Penn State Nittany Lions. You like that segue there? Like that segue? You see how smooth that was? Impromptu. I just made that up on the fly uh you know as always before we get started we love the support we've been getting as always rate review share the podcast if you leave a five-star review and add in your question we will read your review on the air so please do so and we'll shout you out and answer any questions you have all right jacob we talked to coach Loxley on monday there's another press availability on thursday what did what did we learn on monday anything specific yeah, there are two
1: big things. That's, uh, I'm going to talk about the second one because I know you wanted to talk about the other. To me, I asked Coach Loxley a question about Maryland's run pass option offense and why he thinks it's been so successful through the first two weeks. And He talked about Talia's ball location and how that's been pivotal for Maryland's success thus far. We've seen his ability to throw into tight windows on that 76-yard touchdown to Jay Sean Jones against Minnesota. He put it only in the spot where Jay Sean could catch it. It was tight coverage, and then Jay Sean did the rest and took it to the house. But if Talia can continue maintaining that excellent ball location and accuracy, it's definitely going to be a big benefit for the Maryland offense. And I'm intrigued to see how they utilize that moving forward because, at least to me, it's been their most successful part of their offense. And looking back to their game two weeks ago against Northwestern, it was really the only play that brought them any sort of success whatsoever.
0: Right, and that's one of the biggest things that's really key for this offense is the accuracy there, the ability for Talia for Talia to uh, not only be really accurate on those RPOs, but also accurate when he's rolling out to his left and right. That, that's the mark of a really good quarterback, and that's really a really encouraging sign because accuracy is one of those things that you can't really teach. And so it's good. It's good stuff to see. Mine is a little bit less positive because... So at the end of the game against Minnesota, Maryland has the ball and they have this option for like a hail Mary. They were at the somewhere between the 40 and 50 yard lines. They were in range for a hail Mary, especially when you've got those great receivers plus Talia's great arm talent. They just let the clock run down and didn't call a timeout clock expires and you go to overtime. They end up winning. So it doesn't really get mentioned, but I asked Loxy about it and he just said he forgot about it. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a big thing to forget, right? Am I alone on this, Jacob? Am I going crazy here?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was a little bit of, uh, or not a little bit. It was definitely mismanaging because he, uh, if he didn't want to take the Hail Mary, which I think was the smarter option, he also could have kicked a 61-yard field goal with Joseph Petrino. And I think a 61-yard field goal is an absolute mile, it's, especially in college, even that's a long one for NFL kickers. So I, I don't fault Loxley for not attempting the kick. But if he knew that uh, he, he was going to try and make a play at the end of the game, the way his offense was rolling, that's the thing that stood out to me. It's not really the, the concern that he necessarily forgot about it and mismanaged it I think the bigger concern is that the way his offense was rolling he didn't kind of roll with the success of his players and he kind of just was and I know Daniel talked about it on the last episode it kind of epitomized you know playing safe and not playing to and then not playing to win and if Mer- Maryland's going to need to do that moving forward, and I definitely think it's something that Coach Loxley is going to learn from. Like you said, it wasn't really a big deal considering that they won the game, but had they lost that game against Minnesota, who knows, in double overtime if Brock Walker, their kicker, had made the extra point, it certainly would have been a bigger deal moving forward. And, I, and I'm and i really intrigued to see Coach Loxley's not only late Game management, but also end of the game management at the end of the first half. I want to see how he responds immediately because if Maryland can stay competitive in this game, I mean, entering the season, we'll go into our predictions later, but entering the season, I did not think Maryland had any chance against Penn State. But the way that Penn State has started the season and the high win that Maryland is coming off of, I think that they're certainly going to be able to compete in this game. So Coach Loxley's clock management, both at the end of the half and at the end of the game, is definitely going to play a key role.
0: Yeah, for me, it's not even the fact that he didn't trust the offense because it seems like he. Did right it, from everything he said, it sounded like he wanted to attempt a hail mary. He just forgot how many timeouts he had in like situation of the game. And I think that's that's inexcusable, right? Because if that ended up costing Maryland, that's huge, right? That, that that's massive, right there. You cannot. That's. That's the most basic of mistakes, and you cannot have that happen. I, I, listen, if I'm Loxley, I'm hiring some, I said this on the last podcast, I'm, at, I'm hiring some clock wizard who's a genius at Madden and knows all the permutations and commutations to do with, uh, to do with the clock management. And I'm hiring him, and I'm having him in my headset telling me when to take my timeouts to best maximize the time. It's, 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 it's inexcusable to just forget how many timeouts you have or forget the situation of the game. I mean, every coach preaches situational football. There should be situational football in coaching as well. So, I mean, they won... I'm not, I'm not super annoyed, but I'm, I'm kind of annoyed. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of annoyed by it. No,
1: I think the other thing, I think you bring up a good point. I think the other thing that was interesting was Loxley kind of made it sound like he was essentially an offensive coordinator because he was saying when you're so involved with the offense and you just get so encapsulated by what's going on. I thought that was kind of a weird reasoning because obviously Loxley is an offensive minded head coach and is normally around the offense a lot. And I mean, he, he, he works with the defense as well. So I just thought that that rationale and reasoning was particularly interesting kind of not that he was trying to make an excuse for forgetting, but I thought that what he said was particularly interesting, basically just saying how my attention, I, I just spent so much time around the offense and I was so locked in on the offense at the time that I didn't even notice that I had another opportunity to throw them out there and potentially win the game in regulation instead of going overtime.
0: It was just weird. It was just weird, but uh you know what? Uh We're moving on to the next game. We're moving on to Penn state. Jacob, let's start with our two keys to the game. What's your first key for this game?
1: My first key to this game is Maryland starting off fast, building off the momentum of last week. Penn State is 0-2 on the year, not the territory that they expected to be in. I don't think many people expected them to be. 0-2 entering the season, and Maryland's coming off a historic win in the program. They're coming coming back from 17 points down in the fourth quarter, and if they're able to start fast, start with an opening drive touchdown, or start with a big stop on defense, I think that's going to be really important for them because Penn State is obviously going to come out in this game juiced up. They're back home again for the second week in a row. Although they won't be playing in front of fans at Beaver Stadium, they're still going to be fired up trying to get their first win on the season. So if Maryland can start fast, that'll be key for them if they want to upset the Nittany Lions in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing that stayed consistent through both games is that their first drives have been really good their first drives were in the northwestern game they got that field goal and obviously the rest of the game speaks for itself but in the minnesota game they came out shot like a gun right they were up 21-7 and then they gave up the lead but then they got it back and th- the fact that they're up 21-7 was you know something to note at the time they got big plays early they were moving on schedule defensively they made a couple of stops it was it was good stuff but uh, I think, yeah, they're going to they're gonna need to start fast because because you start fast, you start putting the pressure on Penn State now, right? Because Maryland's not going to be favored in many games, but when you put the pressure on the other team, maybe then you get them to slip up a little bit. They got a sophomore quarterback playing. Maybe you get him to make a mistake, right? Penn State's 0-2. There's some heat on them right now. It's not, it's not all fun and games up there in Pennsylvania right now. I, I don't know where they are. Uh, my first key to the game is to get off the field on third down. Last week against Minnesota, they won but they gave up long, grueling drives, right? On third down, they would constantly, you know, a lot of times they didn't get to third downs. A lot of the times they just, after downs one and two, they, were, they already gave up first time. And you had long draining drives that got this defense tired. And near the end of the game, they were able to get th- three and outs, right? And those stops became so pivotal for Maryland to be able to keep this going and ultimately make that huge comeback. So I'm really, really interested to see if they can get uh, Penn State off the field on third down, limit their time possession, and get the ball back to your really, really high-powered offense right now. What's your second key? Yeah, my second key goes right off
1: that. It's very simple, just play playing complementary football in all three phases like Maryland did last week. If Maryland's offense is... Uh, firing on all cylinders the defense has got to pick them up and get stops as well like they did in the the fourth quarter when they were down they picked the defense picked up timely stops that allowed the offense to go down and score and then continue building to drive the game and it's not just uh, offense and defense special teams plays an important factor as well as we saw last week Joseph Petrino hitting that massive 51 yard field goal if he doesn't hit that 51 yard field goal it's still a two possession game and the outlook of the game is completely different so Maryland needs to be strong in all three phases especially against a team like Penn State where as we talked about on the last episode with Daniel, it's one of those programs where Maryland has a little bit of a talent gap compared to the Nittany Lions, so they're going to need to play all three phases well throughout the game and play a complete sixty-minute game and playing complementary football, and they should be able to hang in this one. Uh,
0: my second key to the game is my second key to the game is to stay disciplined. I think if you look at Maryland so far this year, there's been a lot of penalties. There's been a lot of uh, mental mistakes in terms of turnovers. You can't have that. You, you just cannot have a fumble like Penny Boone's in, right at the one-yard line, right? You were able to come back last week making those mistakes. You're not going to be able to do that every week. You need to be a lot more disciplined. You need to be a lot more focused because this Penn State team is still extremely talented. This was a team that was ranked in the top 10 at the beginning of the year. This is a team that was supposed to challenge for the Big Ten title and maybe even make the playoff. They've had a tough start to the year, but they still have a lot of talent. They can really gash you if you really give them extra opportunities, which you can't. You just can't do it. And then even like if you look at their first game against Indiana, the reason they lost was because they turned the ball over and they had a bunch of penalties. Can't have that. You need to play disciplined if you're Maryland and you need to make sure that you come out and really just play a solid football game without any mental mistakes like you had in the first two games this year. i really like to see them play a turnover free game today. Or a Saturday. That's the most important thing for me. Play a turnover-free game and see how that ends up. Because I think that if this team doesn't turn the ball over, they are they can really mitigate their weaknesses on defense.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I think that they'll be able to mitigate uh, a lot of the problems that you brought up. And playing turnover-free football would be really impressive against this talented Penn State defense, especially as you cited with Maryland's turnover differential minus six to the first two games.
0: All right. Yeah, I think. Like Loxie himself was talking about how frustrated he was by just all the errors that were happening. So I really think that he he's going to be preaching that. So I really hope they come out with a, a better focus because a lot of the penalties just seem kind of dumb. You know what I mean? Like the Jayshon Jones block. He doesn't need to do that. He just needs to kind of push him a little bit. And then, um and then there was also the taunting, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that didn't get them off field on third down. There were the two turnovers, which, You know, one was a tipped interception, so you can just say that's bad luck. But the other was a fumble at the one-yard line, and anybody didn't get any carries after that, and I don't think that was a coincidence. Um, let's move on to our X-Factors. Who's your Penn State X-Factor?
1: My Penn State X-Factor is defensive end Shaka Tony. He's their best defensive player with their linebacker, Michael Parsons, opting out and deciding to not opt back in. He's preparing for the NFL draft. Michael Parsons is an outstanding player. I want my New York Giants to draft him next fall. He could fulfill one of their many needs on the roster. But besides that point, Shaka Tony is an excellent edge rusher. He had four sacks against Indiana in the, in the first game. He got a little nicked up in the beginning of the Ohio State game so he didn't play very much so he only had one tackle in that game but he is one of the best edge rushers in the conference and I think in the nation I think he will end up being a first or second round pick in the NFL draft next year so Maryland needs to be aware of where he is at all times whether it's Jalen Duncan Spencer Anderson Marcus Minor the guards and the tackles are going to need to be aware of where he is at all times because although he is an edge rusher they use him on stunts a lot they like to bring him inside and move him around and he's a really talented pass rusher so if Shaka Tony is able to disrupt this game it's going to be a long day for maryland and they're they're going to need to excuse me be aware where he is on the field at all times
0: protection is key for any quarterback and that doesn't change for talia so like you said you got to make sure that whether you like if you want to bring a tight end over and chip him or have jake Funk chip him i'm fine with that devote extra resources to him because you can't have him coming off uh coming off the edges and just wrecking your game plan because you got to score points to win this game. My first X factor is going to be Parker Washington, uh, wide receiver for Penn state. Listen, everyone knows about Jahan Dotson, right? He's, he's a stud. He, he went for 144 yards and three touchdowns against Ohio state. There's no doubt about how great he is, but the second guy, Parker Washington four to 73 yards. He's someone that could really step up with the added attention. That's going to be there for uh, Dotson in the open space. that might be there, right. So it's going to be really, really important for the secondary. Last week, the secondary I thought did a really bad job with their uh, with their uh, ball with locating the ball, and so I really want to see them improve on that this week because you can't give up chunk plays like you did last week. What What did you think about the secondary defense last week?
1: Yeah, I thought they were in a lot of times they were in the right spot. But like you said, they just weren't able to high point the ball. And Chris Altman Bell and Rashad Bateman were able to jump over them and make big plays. I mean, that's all you can ask for the defender is to be in the right spot. But you got to be able to finish the play. Like you said, you got to be able to high point the ball. And if you're not going to be able to catch it yourself, at least knock it down and make sure the receiver is not able to catch it. So that's definitely something that I'm sure was a heavy emphasis. In practice this week for our defensive coordinator John Hoke, along with maintaining gaps defensively, because that was another area where they struggled the first three quarters in stopping their run against Minnesota.
0: All right, who's your Maryland X Factor? My
1: mouth factor is running back Jake Funk coming off a career-high 221 rushing yards. Jake Funk is extremely important to this offense. I cannot emphasize enough, as Varun referenced earlier, with Penny Boone fumbling on the one-yard line in the last game. He didn't get many carries, or I should say any carries after that. And who knows if that's going to carry over into this week. We still don't know about Teon Fleet-Davis' status. It doesn't sound like he's going to play. He's still working some off-the-field issues with the with the university. So if he's not able to play, it's going to be all Jake Funk and Jake Funk was phenomenal last week. He was running hard. He was showing his speed. And when Jake Funk is running really well, it it gives Maryland great balance offensively. Not only does it allow them to work the play action passing game, but it also allows them to utilize the run pass option, which I talked about earlier and said, that they had so much success with. I asked Dante Demas about it. And he said, along with Talia's ball, ball uh, location and accuracy, echoing what coach Loxley said, he said, when the running game gets going, when Jake gets going, it helps out the, that RPO offense so much. So if Jake Funk and the Maryland running backs are able to establish the run early, it's definitely going to go a long way from around in this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that last game you saw what a good running game can do for a quarterback, because the play, the play action fakes and the RPOs work so much better when those linebackers, have an actual threat to go against, and Jake Funk looked so good, and you felt so good for him, based on everything he's gone through. It was, it was a very, very, just incredible. It was an incredible offensive performance last week, right? I don't think they can replicate that, but if they can get just solid production, you can you can say that uh, the running game is going to be consistent, and that's that's what that's a good point because one game is an aberration, two games is a pattern, three games that's a strength now. So if this offensive this offensive line has remained healthy through two games, don't want to jinx it, but if that stays the case, you can continue this continue this hot streak of offensive play. Uh, my key to the game is going to be Tarheeb Stills. Last week I was kind of interested to see who was going to cover Rashad Bateman. It ended up being Stills, not Nick Cross, like I thought, because he kind of played a little bit more safety. It looked like Tarheeb Stills did a pretty good job. Listen, Tanner Morgan only threw the ball 15 times, but Despite that, Rashad even only had five catches for 62 yards. He didn't bust a huge play. He didn't have a touchdown. He didn't break a tackle and make everyone miss like he did in their first game of the season against Michigan. That was a really impressive performance with Stills against a guy who's probably going to be a day one or at worst a day two NFL pick. Can he continue it, right? Like we talked about Dotson already. Can Stills continue? Because he's a really young player, right? I mean, the sky is the limit in terms of potential, but for right now, how can he produce, and how can he continue to hopefully lock down some lock down, uh, these Penn State wide receivers?
1: Yeah, Tarheep still was my uh, under-the-radar player last week for Maryland. As you referenced, he did a pretty strong job against Rashad Bateman. He's got to do a better job uh, high-pointing some of those balls, but he is the only true freshman starter on this Maryland defense, so he needs to continue stepping up in a big way, and I'm really intrigued to see how he bounces back this week. He didn't play very poor last week, but he's got another tough test, as you referenced, with Jahan Dotson this week. So I'm excited to see how he responds.
0: All right. Who's your under the radar player from Maryland this week?
1: My under the radar player is wide receiver, Daryl Jones. He had three receptions for 48 yards last week, including that beautiful back shoulder throw from Talia, uh, uh, late in the game, as Maryland was driving, and they, as we talked about earlier, should have attempted the hail mary, but did not. That play did not get nearly any of the notoriety that I thought it should, myself included. It didn't even end up in my gamer because it it didn't end up impacting the game that much. But it was just a phenomenal throw. I think I thought it was Talia's best of the game, and it was also a phenomenal adjustment and phenomenal catch. And I'm really intrigued to see how Daryl Jones continues to be a part of this offense because Maryland had five receivers last week that had at least three receptions, and when you have great great balance like that. It's so tough for opposing defenses to game plan and coordinate again. So I think that Daryl Jones could step in and be a really key guy for Maryland this week when they go empty and have those four wide receiver sets when, when they bring him in alongside Dante Dimas as another vertical threat, I think he might be able to break a big play. And I'm really intrigued to see if Maryland runs that back shoulder play again because it worked phenomenally. And you saw Talia's pinpoint accuracy, but you also saw Darrell Jones' ability to high point the ball and also make a great adjustment on the ball as well.
0: Yeah, my under the radar player, he's not necessarily under the radar, but I think it is going a little bit under the radar, just how great he's playing. Chance Campbell's having a phenomenal season right now. So last year... In 10 games, he had 54 tackles and four and a half tackles for loss. This year in two games, he's already got 27 tackles and he's already got four tackles for loss. He is getting in the backfield with regularity, shooting gaps and bringing guys down behind the field. He had Maryland's only sack against Tanner Morgan. He was a consistent force uh, in the backfield when it came to tackling Ibrahim and late in the game when they needed the stops, it was Campbell that was getting back there and making a lot of the plays. He's played really well so far. He's been the leader of this defense. I'm really interested to see how he plays against a little bit more of a pass-happy team and a little bit more of an offensive threat, to be honest, in Minnesota, in uh, Penn State. He's going to be really integral to their game, pan, game plan, not only in terms of making sure that he's playing well on the field, he himself, but also in making sure that everyone else is still aligned correctly Make sure there's no uh, – alignment mistakes that you can see with a young team like Maryland.
1: Yeah, I love the way that Chase Campbell has played so far. I said it on our last episode with Daniel. He's the unquestioned leader of this Maryland defense. When he plays well, this Maryland defense plays well, and they all get energized around him. That sack that you referenced in the fourth quarter, it's Maryland's only sack of the season, and I'm not surprised that it was him. He plays with a relentless motor. He's all over the field. He's one of the guys through two games. It really has not struggled to tackle very much. So I'm really impressed with what Chance Campbell has brought on the field thus far, and I'm really excited to see how he plays moving forward on Saturday.
0: All right, now let's move to our game predictions. Jacob, what do you think the score of this game is going to be? Yeah,
1: I'm going to say it's going to be another shootout for Maryland. I think if you're going to bet the over in this game, I think you're going to hit it. I think that's going to be a common theme with Maryland this year and their high-octane offense and their defense struggling to stop people. I think that that might get a little better as the season goes on, but for right now, they've obviously struggled. I'm going to say that Penn State wins this one 42-31. I think the Nittany Lions get their first win of the season. I think that Maryland's offense is able to capitalize on some big plays and score some points but ultimately I think that Penn State's offense just has too much firepower for Maryland's defense to compete with them I think that this is going to be a close game throughout I think that probably for three three and a half quarters it's going to be a close game but I think Penn State's going to get a a late touchdown to kind of break off a little bit to extend the lead from 35-31 to 42-31 and if for Maryland that's that's a much improved from last year because I was in the stadium for that 59 nothing trouncing that they faced last year. And that was just an awful football game and it can't get any worse than that. So I'm really intrigued to see how Maryland responds. And even though Maryland is 56 new players, they have a lot of guys still on the roster that were on the field for that loss last year. And I'm sure they haven't forgotten it. And I'm sure they're very eager to bounce back against a Nittany lion team that has certainly underperformed so far.
0: Yeah. For me, I'm going to go 37, 24 Penn state. I think, Although this Maryland team has shown a lot of promise, I don't think they can hang with the powerhouse of this conference just yet. If you look at the opening game for Penn State against uh, Indiana, which is like the huge upset that you can now say is like the big deal right now, which, you know, if you wanted to say that Maryland had a real shot at winning this game, you would point to that game, right? You could say, hey, Penn State's maybe not as good as we thought. But when you look at that game, the stats specifically, I mean, Indiana uh, was dominated in terms of time of possession, yards, first downs, all of that. They won the turnover battle and they won the penalty battle. So unless those things continue to show up in this game, I don't see Maryland's defense being able to get enough stops. Uh, Jacob, now let's go to over-unders. You want to take us through the over-unders?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's get started with the first one. We have Talia Tagovailoa, touchdowns at two and a half. What do you have for this one, Barun?
0: You know what? Since I said 24, I think I'm going to say over. I think that he's going to be... I think they're going to have to go to a passing game a lot just because they're going to be down. And so I think he's going to really shine and you're going to see this entire offense kind of just build off what they did last week.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I also didn't specify on this over under, uh, passing or rushing touchdowns so i'm just gonna Either say one. this is total touchdowns for talia so that definitely makes me want to pick the over as well i wouldn't be shocked talia has another rushing touchdown this week utilizing his legs and for the next one we're going to look at maryland's offense once again we're going to look at jay Sean jones we have his receiving yard set at 60 and a half what do you have for that one
0: i'm gonna say under just because i think he's kind of a boom or bust kind of player and i don't think there's going to be those kind of big plays i think uh Penn State's going to be a little bit more judicious in coming up and uh coming up with with the RPOs and playing those a little bit more safely than Minnesota did I don't think you're going to see Jones go bust free on a slant route like he did or a skinny post route like he did against Minnesota I think he's going to have a good game I think he's going to take a lot of attention but yeah I think you're going to see guys like Dante Demas really shine in terms of just making those reliable catches in terms of slants and curls and being more of a possession wide receiver what do you got?
1: Yeah, I think he's actually going to hit the over, but I agree with you. I don't think that it's going to be because of a massive play. I think that he's just going to be heavily involved with the offense throughout the game. If I had to pick, I'm going to say Sean Jones finishes with about five receptions for 65 yards. So I think he hits over, not by much, but I do think that Sean is going to be heavily involved in the offense in this one. And this one for all the over-unders is the most important for me. We have Maryland turnovers, two. What are you taking in this one?
0: I'm going to say over. I think that's going to be ultimately one of the reasons why they lose. I don't see, I, I just think that this is a young team that's going to make some mistakes and you're going to continue to see some of those mistakes. I think Talia probably throws a pick, maybe a disguise coverage, maybe just a tip pass. I think that he's going to, he's not going to be able to go turnover free. I think that's still something that he has to improve on as a player. And then I think that uh, if Penny Booth gets curious, he's shown particularly to fumble and then, I just two is a high number, so maybe that's maybe I'm a little bit too uh, pessimistic about this team right now. But I think that the turnover battle is going to be one that they lose in this game. How about you?
1: I'm going to take the under in this one. I I think that two turnovers is a very high number, and if Maryland wants any shot of winning this game, I I said that about the sacks last week that it needs to be under, and they still found a way to be under. Um, I think it's definitely going to be under. I think that Maryland is not going to have, play a perfect football game. I think that they're probably still going to end up turning the ball over. But I'm going to say that they finished to be under for this one. And now we're going to move on to some of the Penn State props. So we have Sean Clifford, the quarterback for the Nittany Lions. We have his passing yards at 220 and a half. What do you have for this one, Vern?
0: I've got him under. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think that's where the strength of this Penn State team is and, or at least I think that's where they want it to be, and Maryland's run defense hasn't shown any reason for us to think that it's going to be any better than it was, so I think he's not going to throw the ball lot. I think they're going to make him a game manager, and I think that they're going to run the ball a lot if they're going to win this game.
1: I'm going to take the over. I'm going to flip in this one. I think that, I actually think that Maryland's defense is going to be improved in stopping the run, but I think their secondary is probably still going to struggle a little bit, which goes into our next one. I think that Jahan Johnson's going to have a strong game, and I think Sean Clifford and the Nittany Lions are going to be able to create some explosive of plays in the passing game for the next one we have as i just referenced Jahan dotson penn state's leading receiver we have his receiving yards prop at 75 what do you have for this one i'm
0: gonna go under like i said again they're not gonna throw the ball that much and i think that's gonna be one of the main reasons you see why uh one of the main reasons why this team is, I mean, they're just going to run the ball on the way to victory, I think, is what we're going to see. I don't think they're going to throw the ball enough to give Dotson those required touches.
1: I'm going to take the over in this one as well, considering that he had 144 yards last week against Sean Wade in the outstanding Ohio State Buckeyes secondary. Also, I love how me and you are very contrarian in this one. It's Yeah, nice I know. Someone's going to come out cool. great. Yeah, someone's going to come out great. One of us is going to be great, and the other one's going to struggle a little bit. But that's the beauty of this, and we'll find out in our recap episode on Sunday. But for the last one, we, as been talked about on the last episode, we try and have five serious ones and then one that's a little bit of a joke. So we have references to Maryland versus Penn State last season. And as I talked about earlier, it was Friday night, Big Ten opener for Maryland. Both teams were ranked. And unfortunately for Maryland, they got trounced and lost 59-0 at home and their largest loss ever at home. So I have the number of mentions for that at one and a half. What do you have? I'm
0: going to say over and here's why. I think there's going to be one early in the game where they just kind of talk about how they want to, you know, just previewing the game. But I also think as Maryland keeps the game close, it's going to be discussed as terms of like, wow, look at Maryland. They're a lot more feisty than we thought they were. So I think that's going to be the one thing.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote under what you just said, tempted me to, to go over, but I'm still going to stick with the under. I think that they're definitely going to profile it at the beginning of the game. But assuming that Maryland can keep this game close for the majority, like I think we both referenced, I think that they're going to stay away from talking about it and just kind of focus the action that's going on on the field, but this one it would not shock me at all if it ended up being
0: over. All right, thank you for listening. We're going to go now to our Behind Enemy Lions segment on Penn State. We brought on the Center Daily Times Penn State football beat reporter Parth Upadhyay to talk about the Nittany Lions. It was a great conversation. We learned a lot about this team so please check it out. Uh, So we'll go to Parth right now. Joined now by Parth Upadhyay from the Center Daily Times, the Penn State football beat writer. How you doing, man?
2: Doing well, doing well. Appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Listen, I one, the second I found out that we were playing Penn State and that there was a brown dude covering Penn State, I was like, oh, we got to have him on <laughs> instantly. Hell yeah. With it. So, listen, it's been a weird year for Penn State so far, right? This was a team that came in with huge expectations, They're 0-2 right now. I mean, this is a team that wanted to make the playoff. What, Just really, really simply, what in the world happened?
2: Yeah, I think the the losses just started to add up. You know, before the season, uh, they're ranked number seventh in the preseason polls, you know, in the AP poll. Uh, Then Micah Parsons, you know, the star linebacker, opts out in August. You know, this guy's supposed to be a a top 15 pick in this, you know, the Springs NFL draft. Then, you know, you've got Journey Brown. You know, they they lose him to an undisclosed medical condition is what they called it. Um, and that happens before Indiana, before they even begin the season. Then on the first drive against Indiana, you got Noah Kane going down. You know, this is supposed to be a team offensively that just relies on its on its running backs room. Um, you've got one of the deepest running backs room in the in the country. And then, obviously, you're, you're taking those quick hits with Journey Brown, who's supposed to be, like I said, another, um, you know, first, second round, potentially draft pick in the NFL draft. And then you lose Noah Kane, too. Um that hurts, and then you've you know you're forced to to throw the ball more, um, and you know oftentimes you know against uh, Indiana in the first half
1: and against Ohio State for, for most of the game it um, it didn't work out well for for Sean Clifford. So Penn Penn State obviously tough loss to Indiana 36, 35 in that opener. Not many people expected. I mean now Indiana is the number thirteen team in the country, but there were some clear penalties, some turnovers, some mental errors in that game from Penn State, what do you attribute that to? And a little bit of a, it happened in the second game with Ohio State as well. So what do you attribute those factors to thus far?
2: Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell. It's, it's pretty uncharacteristic, I'd say, for for a James Franklin team. Um, and Franklin's talked about this too. I think he, he said it after the Indiana game. Um, that's not how, they, how they've how they done things, you know, during his seven years with the program. But I think it just comes down to a lot of youth. This is one of the, the youngest teams, you know, James Franklin has had. Um, and that's even highlighted more, like we get back to the losses. You know, when you're losing um you know two or three guys who have or I guess two guys and Micah Parsons and Journey Brown who have star potential and you're losing Noah Kane too um you're losing a lot of that you know veteran on-field experience and then you know you uh end up playing guys earlier than you'd like and I think that you know just lack of maturity is what causes those errors in my
0: opinion you talked about Franklin what's the panic level at for his staff and more importantly his players
2: yeah. I don't, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. And and I wrote about this after um, the Ohio state game, just about them having their backs to the wall. Uh, it's the first time Penn state's gone. 0 and two to start the season since 2012. Um, and obviously that was under, that wasn't under Franklin. That was under um, O'Brien, you know, Bill O'Brien. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I actually, this week I'm working on a story. Um, and I talked to a couple guys from that 2012 team, Matt McGloin included, um, and just kind of, wanted to get a sense of what their demeanor was, you know, when they were and to like, what were they feeling? Were they panicking? Um, obviously, you know, we don't get to be at practice and access is more limited certainly over zooms than it would be in person. So you don't really get that kind of vibe that you would get probably from sitting, you know, across from Sean Clifford or across from Jahan Dotson. Um, but I, I think they're, they still seem to be focused. I think that's, um, that's one thing about Franklin is he's, he's never,
1: um, you know, in the seven years, never lost the locker room. I feel like no matter what the circumstance was. And you talked earlier about Micah Parsons, obviously the star linebacker for Penn State. He opted out initially, had the opportunity to opt back in, but decided not to, and to prepare for the NFL draft. And I agree with you completely. As a, I was talking Varun earlier, I'm a Giants fan and their, their struggles are documented very well. So I'd love Micah Parsons to, uh, be in addition to their defense, but the, the struggles that we've seen through Penn State's defense, the first two games, giving up, uh, 38 and 36 points. That's not very characteristic of a normal Penn state defense. Do you attribute that most to the loss of Micah Parsons or do you attribute it to other factors as well? Well, it's,
2: hard to kind of pinpoint all of that onto one player. Right. And I know, um, Micah was certainly a big loss. He was a superstar. Like I said, you know, at, at linebacker there. Um, but I think it, it kind of goes back to the, the losses and mistakes adding up, you know, Jesse Lucetta, who's filling in for Micah Parsons, um, gets a targeting call against Indiana. And then can't play against you know the first half against Ohio State, uh, you know those things matter, right? Like to a certain point, um, you know you're you're down depth, you're down you know that kind of veteran leadership, you're down star power, um, and you know they haven't played in you know almost a year. I think it was ten months. Uh, yeah, about ten months. Um, so I think it's a, just a combination of, of of rust and kind of inexperience showing itself.
0: In that Indiana game, how much of that can be attributed to mental errors like the turnovers and penalties? And how much of that is just them getting outplayed? And is this something where, you know, when we look at the preseason expectations, now that you see some guys opting out, and you've seen the guys who are not on the team right now and not playing, and you see those first two losses, have you adjusted what you think this team's just outlook and potential should be?
2: Yeah, that's a a really good question. I think um, you talked about the Indiana game and then – you know, I think you, you said getting outplayed potentially is what you were asking. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think they got outplayed at all. I think they beat themselves more than Indiana did anything right, if that makes any type of sense. Um, you know, Penn State had nearly 500 yards of offense in that game. Indiana had 211. Um, they – Sean Clifford threw two picks in the, in the first half. Uh, one of them was um, – one of them led to a drive that ended in a touchdown. The other one led to a drive that ended in a field goal. That, that's 10 points right there. And then you miss – You you missed that 25 yarder, you know, before halftime, all those points add up. And ultimately it was more Penn state giving that game away than Indiana taking it.
0: Yeah, man. If you want to talk about two teams that have turnover issues, Maryland's right now in minus six, they haven't forced a single turnover. They've had six turnovers so far this year. Uh, They're minus six in differential. It's very much a situation where you have a very movable object meeting a very stoppable force right now. And so the turnover differential is going to be very key in this game. Uh, What's the like if you're Maryland and you're looking at a place in this game to attack this Penn State defense or this Penn State offense, where is like the weak link that they can attack?
2: It's the secondary. I think you know, if you're uh Tunga Bailoa, I hope I'm pronouncing that mm-hmm. correct. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you are impressive on, on first, <laughs> first try. Yeah, first try. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm by Low, I'm, I'm airing it out. You know, uh, the, the secondary has looked susceptible, you know, certainly to Justin Fields and Ohio State even at times to Michael Penix, you know, I only, you know, Michael Penix of Indiana, obviously um, he only threw for 170 yards, but uh, there was certain times where guys were just getting beat, you know, that just straight up getting beat. Um, you know, I think the, the front line for Penn state is good. They're elite. And you know, you've got Shaka Tony um, and Jason Owe, you know, at that other defensive end position. Um, but I think if there is
1: a hole, you know, so to speak in their, in their defense, it'd be in the secondary. I think that's, that's where you attack. And I want to go back to talking about Penn State's offense. You mentioned Sean Clifford earlier, and it seems like through the first two games that he's kind of emerged as more of a rusher as well. Do you think that's more of a byproduct of Journey Brown and Noah Kane both not being in the backfield and kind of having to rely on his legs more than usual? Or do you think that it's just kind of more of a factor of taking what the defense is giving him on certain points?
2: Yeah, you know, I thought I thought it was the first one initially. I definitely thought it was it was more of a byproduct of, you know, these these two stud tailbacks being out and them still having to create rushing offense. And they're like, okay, Sean can kind of run. Let's, let's, let's run the quarterback. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the, the, more you look at the, the Ohio state game, just look through the stats. It's kind of baffling, right. Uh, you know, leading up to that week, uh, James Franklin is kind of um, definitely solidifying the fact that Devin Ford, sophomore running back Devin Ford is the number, you know, he's, he's the guy, he's going to be the guy moving forward. And, you know, Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes, the two freshmen will help out, but they will be complementary pieces. Devin Ford will be the feature back in that offense. And then he only carries the ball eight times. So I think, um, if anything, it's a byproduct of the play calling, which I thought at times was, was baffling uh, against um, Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to this running game and Journey Brown specifically. He's out right now. What's the situation going on with him? Should he be expected back for the season? What's going on there?
2: Yeah, I'm really not sure. The the program hasn't hasn't told us too much. Um, they said undisclosed medical condition. Obviously, and, you know, in, in these yeah. times, in 2020, uh, you kind of think the worst. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with, you know, COVID and UC Wisconsin having to cancel back to back games. There was different numbers being reported, you know, this summer about myocarditis um, and everything that went on with that. Um, you know, you don't you don't know, but you hope for the, you know, you hope for the best for the guy, obviously. Um, and maybe we'll find out sooner than later, but Franklin has not ruled him out. (laughs) Franklin has Mm. said that, you know, um, he hasn't definitively said how much that chance is that he returns, but he has not ruled him out. Um, and I don't know if that's telling or not, I guess we'll see.
0: This running game has really, you know, I I think it's not Penn state was meant to lead on the running game this year, right? They didn't want to put the pressure on Clifford and, the, you know, him as a redshirt sophomore, they didn't want to put the pressure on him. Yeah. Yeah. They've had to put the pressure on him now. He's, I mean, their running game hasn't been good. Is that, is that just because Brown and Kane are out? Or is that just an overall systemic with the offensive line and the play calling? I think it's, these
2: things kind of go hand in hand, right? I think it starts with the guys being out. It starts with Journey Brown and Noah Kane being out. Um, kind of indefinitely, at least for you know. In, in Noah Kane's case, he's out for the season. Journey Brown, we don't know. Um, and I think that leads to the kind of play calling we saw against Ohio State, where they're they're trying to to force a ground game. And maybe, you know, maybe Devin Ford's not ready. Maybe he is. But I think you've got to at least try. You know, you got to at least give him the ball. Eight carries is not enough to um, to kind of get that answer, in my opinion. And then you look at um, you know, Kaziah Kaziah Holmes and Kevon Lee not getting any carries, which kind of makes you scratch your head as well. Um, but I I do think the play calling kind of goes hand in hand with the
1: losses. So it's, it's a combination of everything. And then transitioning to the other side of the ball, I want to talk a little bit about Penn state's defense. And you talked about Shaka Tony. He's obviously been fantastic through the first two games. He had four sacks against Indiana. He was disrupting both running plays and passing plays. So has it surprised you how well he started this season at all, or have, or were you expecting this kind of strong performance from Tony?
2: Yeah. You know, I think, I think Shaka was, was supposed to step up. And I think if you, you know, you kind of listen to the guys speak about him hear James Franklin speak about him you know, in the off season and during media days before the season, um, it seemed like he would be that guy on the defensive line with, with Jason Owe as a close, as a close second, certainly. Um, Shaka, just because he's, you know, he's somebody who's been in the program. He's a red shirt senior. Um, it was kind of expected almost for him to take that role. Um, I, I will say it was, you know, it was a little bit disappointing to not see those guys, uh, um, Jason Owe and Shaka Tony follow that performance up, you know, against Ohio State.
1: I feel like they overall Penn State lost the battle in the trenches in that game. And then just building on that, you talked about Jason Owe and Shaka Tony, That I at least for me, one of the biggest areas that's going to be a key for Maryland in this game is their offensive line against Penn State's defensive line. So just how do you see that battle playing out? And do you think that both of them are going to be able to have bounce back games against this Maryland front? Yeah, I I think so.
2: Um, it's, it's hard to look at the Ohio state game and really use that as a measuring tool because it is Ohio state, (laughs) you know, they're, they're number three in the country. They're, um, they're they're a national championship, you know, top contender right there with Clemson and Alabama. So it's hard to kind of use that and say, okay, Penn state's just bad because, you know, at the end of the day, they lost by two scores to a team that could very well, uh, you know, win the national title. Um, but you know, we'll see, uh, Maryland hasn't had much success. I mean, as I'm sure y'all are familiar with, you know, in that series with Penn State. Um, All too familiar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> scored I think it was in the stadium last year for the 59 nothing blowout, so. Oh, my gosh. I,
1: yeah, I, I'm a senior, so I've had uh, plenty. I've watched plenty of uh, not-so-great-for-Maryland, but very good for uh, Penn State matchups these past God. four years. The past four See, years the
2: program has been kind of disastrous. I think things are looking up in a way. It seems like from the outside looking in at least, but. Yeah, it's, it's not been a fun four years uh, in that program. See, I'm a
0: freshman, so I got to get right introduced to a world of pain. It's going to be great. <laughs>
2: That's yeah, but I mean, you uh, know, I guess if history is any indicator, we'll see a blowout on Saturday uh, with Penn State winning. But I, I see it being closer than that. I saw that the line was at 25, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see Penn State winning by 25. Um, I think it'll be a little bit closer than that, certainly.
0: All right, last question here before we get you get your official prediction for this game. They're working. Uh, Penn State's working in a new offensive coordinator. You talked about the play calling issues. How has that kind of affected them so far this year?
1: I think
2: you know normally, and Franklin mentioned this this week um, on Tuesday when he spoke to us over Zoom. Um, it's you know when you when you start the season with Indiana, which is a formidable team, certainly they won eight games last year, and then you're playing your biggest game of the season, you know with all the chips up for grabs in week two against Ohio state, that just doesn't, doesn't do you any favors. Certainly, you know, you don't, you don't have time to get comfortable. You're not playing Kent state, you know, you're not playing San Jose state, you're playing Indiana. And then Ohio state, which we talked about is a, you know, certainly a top five team in the country. Um, I think new offenses, they, they take, they take time, you know, you got to build that comfortability and, you know, guys have to be, yeah, comfortable in that system. And there hasn't been time to, kind of walk into the pool you've had to jump into the deep end so to speak
0: all right now officially what is your prediction for saturday's game
2: dang i didn't know how to give a prediction wow okay (laughs) (laughs) you
1: know give me
0: it's a good
1: question if if like Varun put, and I give you our predictions first? Does that uh, does that help you out a little bit? Give you see, I
0: wouldn't more lean more? into them too much though, because me and Jacob like our predictions yeah, through I, two weeks have been god awful. That, that's
1: right. true. I, I will just to give you a little background. So yeah. I predicted a Maryland win week one against Northwestern, and they obviously got destroyed. So lost my four. And year. then Varun, Varun Varun predicted a close win as well. So we both struggled. But for this game, I predicted a 42-31 Penn State win, and I believe Varun predicted a thirty seven to twenty four Penn state win wow okay give me Are too optimistic no i think like i said the
2: line was 25 i don't i don't think it's going to be a 25 point game give me penn state 38 give me maryland
0: 21 all right they cover i'll take that
2: yeah. there we go I'll take that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see some touchdowns um thank you so much for coming on uh part where can people find you on twitter where plug all your stuff
2: yeah my twitter is at uh p-u-p-a-d-h-y-a-y-a underscore that's a lot of letters it's <laughs> you underscore on twitter um and you can find me at you know com under the the penn state football tab
0: thank you so much for coming on uh everyone go check out his stuff best guy to look at for penn state beat For everyone else, we'll be back with another episode recapping Saturday's game. It's probably going to be up on Sunday. It'll be up sometime this weekend. Until then, please remember to rate, review, share, and subscribe. You can find all of our Twitter handles in the bio. Please follow them. You can check this podcast out on the WMUC Sports feed. Until then, this is the Hail Maryland podcast.